0: Good to see you this morning. I can tell it's week seven. It's week seven. I've got three papers and two tests and a thousand pages and these professors think their class is the only one on campus. Jeez. I'm going to be real spiritual with you all today. It won't seem very spiritual. I'll, I'll give you that. It won't seem very spiritual, but I want to speak to you about a spiritual matter that really is important today. It'll be important tomorrow. It'll be important next year. It'll be important 10 years from now. And when you get to be 60, 65, 70, 75, it'll be vitally important. And so I want you to listen up as John Wayne would say. Listen up, pilgrim. Any good Jew would know Deuteronomy chapter 6, and especially would they know the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, He is one. But just after that, They also know this command. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command, he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he said, the greatest is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And, of course, he leaves off strength there in Matthew, but it's there in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then he says, to love your neighbor as yourself, on these hang the law and the prophets. Now, can I just tell you that When I look at Deuteronomy 6, and especially verses 4 and 5, and especially verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Some translations as strength. I think about Fruitland. You know, we do a pretty fair job, I think, of getting you to love God with your mind. We have you to tackle a myriad of subjects that are going to challenge you biblically, theologically, philosophically, historically. We want you to train your mind so that you will be able to rightly divide the word of truth and apply it To today, we want you to be able to interpret the word of God for people in the pew. We want you to be able to translate it to where they're living and apply it to where they're living. And I think we do a good job of that with hermeneutics and proclamation, homiletics. We do a great job. When I read this text, I think about Fruitland. I think about the fact that we prepare you to live a devotional life. To know how important it is to have time with God alone to pray, to practice spiritual discipline, so that your heart may be prepared for the task at hand. But you, do, because you don't want to be in ministry and be have a full head and an empty heart. Neither do you want to have a full heart and an empty head. That happens at Fruitland. But when I look at this text, I wonder what we do with might or strength. I know what is typical and that is we quote Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we practice, we set as an example, many of us professors, we set as an example this hard charging ministry life where we're always available all the time, always doing ministry, and we are pressing toward the mark of our high calling in Christ Jesus. And I'm not sure, here's where I want you to listen up, that we do a very good job of teaching you self-care. Do we? mighty quiet. That's uneasy. Here's what I'm talking about. What goes into this word strength or this understanding of might? You know, I know it's another application, but Paul talks about it over in 1 Corinthians when he talks about the body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know the context, but I think it still applies. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're just... It's been bought with a price. We're to to take care of it. And can I just tell you, in these United States, we don't think about taking care of our bodies as a spiritual exercise. And it very much is. You see, for many of you, you're, you're, you're a lot younger than I am. And I would like to see you last a long time physically. But if we don't begin to to teach you self-care, that's not going to happen. You know, David, I don't know about you, but for a lot of those formative years, a lot of the guys who were famous in the pulpit, they were not in good shape. They were not in good health. Many of them have fallen over dead, just like that. It It was a tragic to see when they could have if they had practiced self-care perhaps I mean there's no guarantee for any of us but perhaps if they had practiced self-care they might still be among us ministering the gospel of the the Lord Jesus and so here's the thing that's not going to seem very spiritual I I want to cover just a few areas of your life where you need to take note I believe you might say, well, you're about like a reformed smoker. Uh, you lost a little weight and think you've made it. No, that's not that's not it. Don't hear me that way. I know what I'm talking about. First of all, can I just talk to you about diet? I'm not talking about going on a diet. I'm talking about what you eat. Because... I want to tell you, if you keep eating the way you're eating, it'll show. You'll be the sum of everything you've eaten. Quickly. You might say, well, that's not a spiritual exercise. Is it or isn't it? I mean, do you eat to live or live to eat? There's a question. One thing I found out in a hurry, I know I'm not a big guy. I never have been. Well, I I was a little larger than I am now. But I was a really, I weighed 150 pounds soaking wet. My dad and my uncle were huge. I could out eat them any day of the week. I could throw down, buddy. My grandmother would cook just to watch me eat and then have me clean up the pans. And I did that and didn't gain an ounce. But you know what I found out? You can't eat all those calories when you get older. So if you can eat like that now, enjoy it because it won't last. And you need to watch what you eat, the calories you take in, because it's going to add up over time. And can I just tell you this the, all of these hip replacements and knee replacements, you know what—they're really why they're really happening? It's because the human body was only made for so much weight. And it can't stand up to a day-by-day day pounding of all that weight on you. I'm not fussing. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just trying to help you last a long time in ministry. I want you to be healthy in the Lord Jesus. I think it's a spiritual discipline. Okay, let me get out of your business there. This is a mighty quiet group here, I'm telling you. They're, they're saying, boy, I'll be glad when this is over, so I can go eat me a cheeseburger. Anyway, can I talk to you about your rest? Can I? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be bold enough to ask, how many of you got eight hours of sleep last night? Not many. I know how it happens. I mean, time gets eaten up in a hurry. You get with the guys and you play a video game. Then you want to go out to eat. Then there, there's a ball game that you want to watch. Then and all of a sudden, and you got homework to do. And then all of a sudden, it's midnight, and you know you've got to get up at 5 o'clock. If you, uh, it hasn't changed. I just, I just read it the other day. It hasn't changed. Those who know what they're talking about say that human beings have to have eight hours and you can't catch up on the weekends. You need to establish eight hours every day. Now, listen, I've been around some folks, Kenneth Ridings, when he was alive, said, I don't like to to sleep, I might miss something. I mean, he would sleep about four hours a night and then couldn't stand that because he had to be up reading or studying or figuring some stuff out. But if you don't learn how to rest, you're going to wear yourself out. Believe me. So, a spiritual discipline will be to set a bedtime. And a set a getting up time for you. And you know who, 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 who is the only one that can do that? You. Now, you may do like... Uh, John McGee, retired missionary, he spent 33 years in Nigeria, baptized over 9,000 people, built schools, built churches, he lived right over here where the fire department is now. He would go to bed with the chickens. He would get up at 2 in the morning and from 2 to 4, sometimes 5, he would study the scripture and pray. He would go back to bed and sleep till 6, he would get up and work all morning, he would eat lunch. And in Nigeria, because it was so hot, he and his wife got used to taking an afternoon nap. In some cultures, they call that a siesta. They would sleep for a couple hours in the afternoon. Then he'd get up and work all all afternoon and evening, and then come home, have supper, go to bed with the chickens. And I'll tell you what, he could out in his eighties, he could outwork most any man I've ever been around, because he knew the importance of resting. His body, it is a spiritual discipline, if you believe that this body has been bought with the price and it is the temple of the Holy Spirit that is one spiritual discipline you have got to maintain is rest, in fact Jesus knew it was important to rest, he called his disciples away and said we need to go apart and fall apart you might say well I'll feel lazy (laughs) you'll feel lazy for a long time And then exercise. Boy, that just gets pushed right out the door, doesn't it? Listen, I'm not talking about getting in the gym necessarily and pumping up. I'm talking just walking for 30 or 40 minutes at a brisk pace. Get out and move, make your heart beat, make your lungs. Operate. I'm talking. About, I'm not talking about anything. For you're getting ready for some great athletic event. Just move. Most of us get. Most of us Americans don't move much at all. In fact, on my watch, it'll tell me every hour to get up. That's pretty. That's pretty sad, isn't it? When somebody has to tell you to get up every hour. I want to tell you. You would do yourself, your congregation, your family a world of service if you will get out in the fresh air, put everything else aside, and just go and get some exercise and fresh air. And make it a spiritual discipline, make it an important time. And when you eat better, when you rest well, and when you get exercise, I'm not talking about paying dividends in the waistline. Mentally, you will improve. Your thought life will be clearer. You'll be more refreshed. You'll be ready to tackle that tough assignment. But you are going to set yourself up for failure if you don't get a hold of these spiritual disciplines because the time's going to come when you can't go. You're spending a lot of time at the doctor. And your ministry will be diminished because years before you didn't begin a regimen and spiritual discipline of self Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, body, and strength. Can I ask you a question? How are you loving God with yourself? How am I loving God with myself? You might say, well, Mike, can I I just call time out? I, I agree with my pastor. I'd rather wear out than rust out. I'd like for you to live a long time for you can really wear out rather than fall apart. Or Mike, I'm just a hard-charging guy. Hey, do it your way, but there'll come a time when you'll say, you know what, that guy was right that morning. As my grandmother would have, she told me time and again, bless her heart said, Michael, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. Don't get there and say, man, I wish I'd have taken better care of myself because it's not a selfish thing. I want you to hear me. What you're hearing maybe is you're saying selfishness. No, this is, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, He is one, and I'm His, and I have a duty to take the best care of this that belongs to him that I can that involves my diet that involves my rest it involves my exercise it will make a difference in your ministry because there may come a day when somebody says hey I got this great opportunity we need to go and And do such and such. And you say, well, what's it going to require? And they say, well, you better be able to walk several miles a day. And you put your head down and say, I can't go. Why not? I can't walk that far. Now, this has not been the sermon that you typically hear here. But can I just tell you from one traveler to another, one pilgrim to another. I, I read in First Timothy, I, I see when Paul introduces himself, he introduces himself kind of as a, the first generation Christians. And he's writing to the second generation. And he's telling Timothy some things he needs to know. We can tell you all day about the Bible and theology and church history and hermeneutics, but if we don't help you with some of these basic things, we have failed in what we need to do. Now, I know you get some of this maybe in some classes here or there when you have a discussion, but I wanted to tell you directly so that I would know that somebody took the time to help you know about this area of spiritual discipline and how it can help you. You might say, well, Mike, you know, I'm already kind of down the road and, it, you know, it, it, it's showing on me. It's, I can feel it and all that. What do I do? You begin. You begin. In faith, you begin. Saying, God, this is the way it's been, but this is not the way it has to be. I'm going to commit this to you and ask that you would help me to take better care of myself so that I can minister for as long as you'd have me to minister. I, I know some of you are going to say, Hey, I like that, but let me tell you, I'm going to eat that cheeseburger because I might get hit by a car this afternoon. Hey, de- don't deny yourself some good things. I mean, you read in the Scripture, God didn't, he didn't chastise people if they had a big festival and ate a lot of food and celebrated The bad thing is that we Americans think we can do that every day. And you can't. So have the pecan pie, or pecan pie, whichever you say, and, uh, you know, have have the dressing with the turkey in it. Do all that. But be disciplined. And I'll promise you, it will make a lot of difference in ministry. Amen? The other thing it will do, it will establish a far better testimony before the world. I'll promise you. Let's pray. Lord, we have heard. We don't like it because it it kind of cramps our style. We we're we're that that person who enjoys life and just grabs it with gusto and just goes on. But Lord, uh, as that preacher said a long time ago, there's payday someday even there. So Lord, help us. Now, our days are numbered, and, and yet we don't want to number them any more than they are. We we don't have that effect on ourselves. So. Help us to watch our diet. Help us to watch our rest. Help us to maintain our exercise. That we might be the best us we can be for you. It's not, it's not about us. It's about you. We want you to be able to use us in far greater ways than we can ever imagine. And we want to set ourselves up for success to be able to do that. Thank you, Lord, for this time. No, it hasn't been a rousing sermon, but I believe it's been the truth. I believe that you'll use it for your glory. In Jesus' name.